I have a very capable, very competent team, but it took a while to build that team. And so if I was doing that again, I would be thinking, do not compromise in any way. Just get the right, absolutely get the very, very best person you can get for the roles that you need. Hi, I'm Belded Mankus. Welcome to The Purposeful Strategist. The podcast that shifts the conversation about purpose and strategy from what organizations should do to what business leaders are doing and what they've learned along the way. In this episode, we'll be hearing from Susan Cooklin, Managing Director of Network Rail's Root Services Organization. Susan shares with us her manifesto for Root Services and how they're driving carbon reduction while becoming more resilient to extreme weather conditions. She also describes how they help staff across all of Root Services have a clear line of sight to its purpose. She outlines what she sees ahead for Network Rail and how she's preparing Root Services to support that. Susan, welcome to The Purposeful Strategist. Thank you for joining us. Uh, maybe just as a way to get going, you could tell us a bit about yourself and a bit about uh, Network Rail Route Services. Okay, thanks, Belden. Um, I'm Susan Cooklin. I'm Managing Director of something called Route Services, which for most people think of me as the kind of Chief Operating Officer at Network Rail. Network Rail runs the rail infrastructure. I always think of it as we run the bits that don't move. So the track the bridges, all the assets to do with the railway. We don't run the trains, but we do own the timetable at the start of the day. Um, So uh, in terms of information, uh, so it's basically, it's the infrastructure of the railway. So it's thousands of assets, it's 24,000 miles of track, bridges, that's what we do. So think of us as the infrastructure provider and how well we do that can impact greatly, as many listeners will be aware, on the passenger experience. So if there's a signalling failure somewhere on the network, that will be down to us, it will be up to us to go and fix that. If there's a tree across the line on a piece of track, it's for us to go and fix that so the train can carry on. We're responsible for lifts and escalators in a number of the stations. That's one of the services that we run, keeping the track free of leaves in the autumn leaves on the line that's one of the services that sits with root services i think we've got better at that in recent years we're just in the middle of what's called the autumn seasonal treatment plan yes we use very high pressurized water jets that are focused on all the mulch because what happens is the leaves adhere to the track so you've got to clear it off so it's safe for the trains to travel i run about 60 different services Traditional back office services like IT, payroll, uh, financial payments. Um, But also I'm responsible for logistics, for our own telecoms network, for an engineering design company. It's about 6,000 people now and about spending about £3 billion a year serving our internal customer base and some external customers in some cases. Is this been part of Network Rail since it was founded? How's it changed over time? Well, that's a good question. I mean, I've been here about 15 years. My background, I'd spent the first 20 years of my career in banking, and then I kind of moved to Network Rail, which is a very different kind of business. 
The thing about the railway infrastructure in the UK is it's a 19th century, it's Victorian infrastructure that needs constant maintenance. And quite often you have to close parts of it so that you can do that maintenance. There isn't lots of space to the sides of tracks for you to run another track or another train along it. So a lot of that's been around for a long time. Not much of it is new. Some of the technology obviously is very new, but the actual assets have been there, the bridges have been around a long time. So if you um, if you had to think about root services and describe sort of what the purpose of that organization is, how would you describe it and how would you go about developing it or identifying it? Shall I start with when I was given the role? This was a new role that was created six years ago. Part of applying for that role involved writing a manifesto. And that manifesto, if you like, that I had to write, I was given kind of two sides of A4 to do that on. And I was given less than 24 hours to write it, interestingly, which is actually, which is interesting because, you know, when you time box the time, you get quite focused about it. And I came up with a three-prong strategy that was change the customer perception in a positive way improve delivery of the services and take people on the journey that was the three-prong strategy and that stayed with us for a very long time actually probably stayed with us for about four years we've kind of modified it slightly but that became the kind of the, the purpose and it became a differentiator in a way because there were other department internal directorates providing some services and we became known as the customer focus people. Our internal clients understood that quite quickly, within six months or so. And, and that's why we kept we were given more and more in the end. So we started with two and a half thousand people. Our internal customers comprise five regional businesses, geographical regional businesses, run by a regional managing director that sits on the executive committee, as I do, with the CFO and the CEO. And they are primarily the customers of the services that we provide. And so that customer bit really became quite a differentiator from other things that were going on in the organisation. And that's why I think we were given more and more to uh, deliver. Mm -hmm. you, you've sort of described that as a strategy, and I buy that as a strategy. I'm just wondering, is there any sort of bigger impact, higher purpose so the kind of purpose, if you like, or the role is to kind of run a safe, reliable, efficient railway that serves customers and communities. That is the bigger purpose. Another way it sometimes gets expressed is getting people home safely every day. That's the kind of strap line that we often use within our business. Then there's a kind of vision which is around putting passengers first, yes. So putting passengers first, being a company that is on the side of passengers and freight users, which we haven't always been in the past, so that in the last three years that's really come to the fore, and that we should be easy to engage with, efficient, dependable, and a place that people are proud to work. I've kind of rattled through that to a certain extent, but that is the role and purpose, if you like, of Network Route. My directorate sits within that. And if I've got it right, the sort of strategy almost you wrote in 24 hours or less. Yes. And this higher purpose, it sounds like that's sort of come from the group as a whole. Yes. And then you've adopted it and embraced it and figured out what it means. Yes, and I've embraced it. Because for my people, you need to think, I think, 
you know, the communication of a purpose and a strategy needs to be very clear right down to every employee, I think. And so I can show kind of clear line of sight from that all the way through, I think, to our um, what we call the root services approach, actually, kind of looks at service, safety, people. There are four segments, but basically we've got a whole storyline around that that everybody is aligned to, that people understand that. Yeah. Um, You know, obviously there's a huge amount of focus, both public and media, on climate change and net zero. Yes, In in light of that, you know, does an organization, yours or anybody else's, have to relate to that to be successful or is that... Yes, I think it does now. I think as an executive, the work was going on, but we had been slow in terms of pulling a proper strategy together and we were prompted by the board to do that. I mean, we have an environment and uh, subcommittee of the board. I sit on that. And rail's really important for the environment because there's a lot we can do that helps. And rail as a form of travel is a greener form of travel than many other types of travel. And so if you were to go on our website, you would see our sustainability and environmental strategy. There are four areas around that. The first is a low emission railway. So we can reduce the carbon emissions. We have to get rid of all the diesel um, stuff in engine. Um, we, the more electrification we do, the better. We have quite a lot of electrification. The more bimodal kind of things we do cross industry, the better. The second thing that's really important to us as Network Rail is making the railway more resilient to extreme weather. And that extreme weather started to cause us problems because things that were like once in a you know lifetime events have become more frequent. Things like subsidence, kind of flooding, problems with Dawlish a number of years ago, the railway at Dawlish. Dawlish is part of the Cornish coastline. Everything was swept away from under the track. The track was literally swept away. It's a beautiful journey down to Cornwall on that train. And as you go through Dawlish, you're really close. If the railway is closed for a number of months whilst we reinforce, everything there you know the landscape there so that it's resilient that's a few years ago now yeah we've had more instances of extreme heat that buckles a railway that means we need to reduce the speed at which the trains travel on which impacts on your journey so making us more resilient to weather is a really important part of our strategy and it's very live to us in terms of what we need to do the third element is two more elements of the of that strategy helping plants and wildlife flourish So we haven't always been the best at when we're doing our work in terms of, you know, the amount of vegetation that needs to be cut down. So what are we then replanting in place of that to protect that? And then there's a whole piece about recycling and reusing everything, which actually we've been pretty good at. So we've done quite a lot of work in this and it's it's always been there. It's just we haven't kind of amalgamated it into a strategy and then been quite clear what we're doing to deliver the strategy. So a couple minutes ago, you talked about the root services approach, I think. Yes. Was the term. Yes. How, how did that develop? Did that come sort of later or was that? It came later. But what happened was we had lost sight of safety. And safety is an absolute critical thing about the way that we do things. It's very much the how in what we do. And we modified the message, if you like, to becoming safe service. And that safe service is what we stand for. 
so that we brought the two things together. And then we thought, well, how can we make it really clear for people? And that's when we came up with the root services approach, linking from company, purpose, vision, strategy, through to the way that we do things in root services. So it covers people, covers money, it covers service, and it covers safety. Yes, they're the kind of four segments. If I've got to write the strategy in a feverish 24 hours or less, you came up with, how'd you come up with this approach? Because it sounds like it was not something done just by one person. Maybe I'm wrong. How, who got involved? The first, the manifesto, you know, that was my idea. I had tested it with customers. So I knew enough about my customers and the way that I'd work with colleagues in the business to know how I was going to have to transform these parts of the business if I was going to be successful. So that informed my original manifesto, yeah. But then the approach was very much almost bottom-up. It was the feedback we're getting from our teams, yes. It's help making sure the passenger experience on the railway is good. That's basically what we are about. It's not adding to that. Why are we doing it, really? Is it, what's the passenger benefit? Now, that is quite hard to make that link if you're sitting on the IT help desk. How do I on the IT help desk contribute to what's going on for a passenger on a train? Well, actually, you're supporting all the people that are helping get that passenger on the train. You are supporting every time something doesn't work or that someone's stuck. You're helping that person then deal with the people that deal with the people that are on the train. And you can actually do the quite clear line of sight. And we're quite good at doing that now so that everybody understands their relationship to what's going on the railway. So how did you sort of engender or start that bottom up process? Um, I had a very good transformation director. So what I had was functional directors for each of these functional services. So I think I had. I started with two or three functional directors, and now I've got six functional directors. But all the way along, I had a transformation director that was, if you like, the person that's helping me affect the cultural change. Um, a brilliant guy called Mark Enright. Mark took it over and was very good at engaging with people, hearing what they were saying, and helping us do those changes. You know, we do a live Teams event you know, since COVID, and we'll carry on doing it because the reach through that is so much bigger than we'd ever have got to before. You know, the other thing I should say is that my team is geographically dispersed across the country, so they're not all in one place. But typically we'd get 25%, we'd get 16 to 1,800 people dialing into that call every four weeks. Um, Mark chairs that, my transformation director chairs that, chairs the Q&A session on that. But he ran this transformation programme were very clear about what the deliverables of that were and he also had within it a little customer service team if you like who helped do a bit of customer service training for people who didn't quite get what customer service was about and they would go out and reach out and get the feedback from the teams but also get the feedback from our customers it sounds like there's a bit of an ongoing process yes and i think strategies evolve so I'm just about to evolve it again. One of the other reasons I think I've been successful is that I'm always looking two or three years ahead, right? So what do two or three years ahead look like? So what should I be doing now to make sure we're where we need to be two or three years' time? Well, in two or three years' time, we're going to have something called Great British Railway. 
So there's this whole change going on the whole of the rail industry. So how well are we positioned for that change? What do we think people are going to want in two or three years' time? And what's the heart of that change? I know there's been a lot of press coverage, but just in case somebody's listening. Andrew Haynes, our CEO, talks about the four S's. Simplicity. This is a complex business, and it is complex, but the more we can simplify it, the cheaper it will be to run, the easier it will be to run. You know, simplification is a, is a big thing. Service, which we've kind of talked about, so the way that we provide the service to passengers and freight users. You know, a passenger ought to be able to get the best price of ticket and not have to go into 20 different websites to have a look or you know, know that they're getting the best ticket for when they're traveling, your best price ticket for that day, you know. And so there's a lot of improvement we can do in that space, I think. Safety, this is still an industry where people get killed doing the job. So safety should be at the top of our agenda. And the fourth thing was separation. I think that was kind of trying to get the right distance between ourselves and the government. It is being run by the company. So there's this idea of separation within that report. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if you if you think about the journey you've been on, and particularly the, you know, sort of the more recent bit of it where you've been coming up with this approach and thinking about the future. So anything in all of that that you're particularly proud of? I suppose the thing I'm most proud about is that I got 6,000 people thinking customer instead of being, in a way, almost directed towards the supplier. It was skewed the wrong way. The second thing that we haven't really talked about, but is very much about the how, is Root Services is known as an inclusive place. I'm very interested in diversity of thought. I'm very interested in, I think the how is as important as the what. So we're kind of known, and people will talk about us, oh, Root Services, oh, that's a good place to work. Quite a few people that like to come and work for us. There's something about our how that is different. So I'm pretty proud of that. And then I suppose the third thing would be our ability to kind of reinvent ourselves when we've needed to and that's quite hard to do i think there's this whole thing about change and people being weary of change and i think belden you know i'm the kind of person that just loves change i think of it as the business as usual of business yes and and that's probably to do with where i've come from and that you know my a lot of my family were in retail and you're having to change the customer in a much faster way than you have to do say in infrastructure or in utilities yeah you know look what covid has done and think about you know people that have responded well and people that have gone out of business so i'm not convinced that we're working quickly enough yet around you know responding to outside forces are changing so we've got to change quite dramatically because the loss in revenue across the rail industry is a real issue and the government has put in a massive subsidy um during last year and is still continuing to subsidize during this year so we we've got to provide the safest most efficient self services within that context so that's going to be harder so we're having to think differently about how we might do that going forward and that's hard yeah hmm. As you think about that, is there anything in there that you think mm, we could have done that better? You know, I wish I could have another go at that. There's something about speed for me. I think we're still too slow. So I wish I'd been able to do some things quicker. I think I made a few errors in hires. Yes. So 
and that perhaps cost me as I was, you know, but I have a very capable, very competent team. But it took a while to build that team. And so if I was doing that again, I would be thinking, do not compromise in any way. Just get the right, absolutely get the very, very best person you can get for the roles that you need. Mm. Any tips or suggestions for any other leaders, particularly, you know, around fitting together this issue of strategy, purpose, change, culture? So this is why this podcast is great, right, is you, you should go out and look at others. Is that one of the things that I've always found a bit difficult with Network Row is we are, as an industry, we're quite inward looking. We don't look outward enough because I came from a different industry. I'm quite used to looking outwards. I can benchmark my services quite easily against other companies. Um, I can benchmark myself against a Capita or a Circo or whatever. And I think. You know, look outside, read widely, go and look at interesting things that people are doing and think about, okay, how could we apply that in this? How could we do that in this context? I think that's where I've had some of my biggest kind of wins, yeah, is just looking outside and saying, oh, oh, that's interesting. They've done it in that way. Why couldn't we look at it in that way? What's the impact of all of this been on you? You know, how do you think you're a maybe a different person or what have you learned you know yeah well, well belton you've known me quite a while i mean, you should I, yeah, yeah, you should you should say you know i suppose i have a fantastic job i love the job that i have i think what the impact on me is it's me you know it's really stretched me as a leader you know i think i'm a much better leader than i was five years ago because of the diversity and complexity of what i've been doing i've always liked solving complex business problems that's why they kept giving me more i'm sure that's they realized that i like doing that and that i'm quite comfortable with a blank sheet of paper uh but i can go from blank sheet of paper to say well why isn't that little bit of operation working that's kind of i can do yeah i know i understand the risk landscape quite well across the piece it's made me more thoughtful i understand better the impact of change i understand better that some people find change excruciatingly difficult and I suppose the other thing I've learned is uh, creating the right environment so that people feel psychologically safe to speak out. And I think in the safety space, that is so, so important, really important. Good. Well, listen, I really appreciate you joining us. appreciate the openness with which you've talked about both what's worked and maybe some of the, the things that you wish might have been a little bit different. So, again, thank you very much for joining us. Pleasure. Thanks, Belton. Thank you for joining us for this episode of The Purposeful Strategist. Please email any questions or suggestions to belden at mancus.com. In addition to being available on our website, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. If you enjoyed this episode, we release a new episode weekly. Don't forget to subscribe. Thanks again, and join us soon for the next episode of The Purposeful Strategist.